This is Ross Valerie of Journey, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Tom Schultz, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is John Wetton from Asia. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. episode 334 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. In episode 334, we are joined by the founder of a very exciting new live performance. His name is Rob Evans, and he is the uh, founder and producer of a new show called Rocktopia. Uh, For those not familiar with Rocktopia, what it is is sort of a blending of the of some of the greatest classical pieces of all time combined with some of the greatest greatest classic rock of all time uh, in a very unique way. Um, I don't know if, if anybody had a chance to catch the special that aired on uh, PBS recently. It was Rocktopia Live from Budapest. But a really cool uh, style of music that took the likes of Beethoven and Bach and meshed it with uh, Townsend and Neil Sean and uh, just some really fantastic stuff, David Gilmore material as well. So we're going to talk to Rob in just a moment and, and get you excited for that show. It is coming to the Palace Theater in Greensburg, Pennsylvania on March 31st. The tour starts nationally on March 28th. You can visit rocktopia.com and get all the tour dates. It goes from uh, Maine all the way down to Florida in the month of March and April. So without further ado, let's talk to the, to the founder, Rob Evan. Take me now, baby, as Pull me close, trying to understand.
Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to the show founder and co-creator of the show Rocktopia. We have Rob Evans on the line. How you doing, Rob? Great, John. How are you, my brother? I am doing fantastic. Um, you're no stranger to um, the world of rock. Uh, I think a lot of people recognize your name from a band that's been on this show many times, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Uh, but you've got a fantastic new project, Rocktopia. Um, I think a lot of our audience at least had a chance to catch a little bit of it on PBS over the weekend. They debuted the uh, the show from Budapest. Can you talk to us a little bit about how Rocktopia came to light? You know, it's funny. This is I, I always say this is kind of who I am as an artist. And, um, you know, I have kind of a very diverse background. John, I, I grew up in uh, around Atlanta, and I actually, you know, had this big voice that started out in church, and I had a lot of kind of people pushing me to the opera direction, and but I always just wanted to be a rock star. I was listening to Zeppelin and Queen and, and, and Journey, and mm-hmm. Luke Graham was kind of a, a you know, a, a hero of mine, and so I just kept trying to, you know, sing that material, but I have a, you know, kind of more of a legit big voice, and so I kind of took the lazy man's route out. I studied, I was classically trained, but I, I really ended up on Broadway, so funny, you know, uh, in, in Les Miserables, I was Jean Valjean, well, the youngest Jean Valjean, actually, in Broadway history, and then uh, went to another show called Jekyll and Hyde, which had a little bit more of a bite to it, and I could, you know, play uh, more of a kind of a demented, you know, rock star as Mr. Mm-hmm. Hyde, <laughs> and and so, but then, uh, you know, obviously, I, I joined, uh, uh, I got to work with Jim Steinman for a long time, too, we did a lot of stuff in the studio together, because uh, I did his show called Dance of the Vampires on Broadway. So, you know, I was always just trying to, to get myself back into the rock world. And, of course, with TSO, I've been very lucky to be a part of that band for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I can kind of walk the line. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, I, I go over here on, on one side and I'll go out with symphony orchestras and sing Puccini. And then on the other side, I'll go and, and you know, do like a Queen tribute or sure. things like that. So this was always a part of who I am. And when I met... A guy named Randall Craig Fleischer, who is uh, a wonderful uh, conductor and uh, musical arranger, uh, we started performing together in the symphony world. And so I must have done a hundred symphony concerts with him around the world, and more and more kind of got more back into that rock element because, you know, classic rock has become retro and. You know, everybody's one, and, and I think that a lot of the demographic, too, the older demographic, are now people that listen to, you know, the Stones and Beatles, and and you know, because McCartney and Jagger are our senior citizens now, Sorry. you know. So, so I I wanted to find a project that that could you know possibly really honor the classical music that I love so much, and and but also fuse it with classic rock because I, I truly feel that you know if if Beethoven or Mozart were alive today, they'd be our rock stars, because they were the rock stars, you know, and so Randy and I went to, you know, we worked on this project, it was first called Rock Fusion, and uh, uh, my producing partner came aboard, he saw we had really, kind of had our, our, our finger on the pulse of something very interesting, and we did a kind of a live conceptual outing in 2012 in Youngstown with their symphony, and you had people in tuxedos, and you had people in Metallica t-shirts who knew who I was. And it was so cool to see that diverse audience. And, and uh, you know, my partner overheard some of the, the people, you know, in the men's room saying, hey, what was that with Pink Floyd? Yeah. And, you know, oh, that was Aaron Copeland's fanfare for the common man. Or, you know, <laughs> what, what was that band with, um, uh, or what was that, that band with Stravinsky's Rite of Spring? Oh, that's 
Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> so you everybody was, yeah, they were really kind of digging it, and the and the symphonies were really enjoying playing it because a lot of times with the pops concerts or the music ofs that bring them in decent money for their symphonies, they don't they don't really not playing what they were trained to play, sure. and that's you know Mahler or or you know uh, Mozart or, or, or a difficult piece. So we really we really honored those pieces, and but yet kind of elevated the rock and created something new that I, I really don't know if I've ever heard it quite done the way we're doing it so that's why it makes it so very difficult to explain what Rocktopia is you know we just hope that maybe we'll get it out there on tour right now and you know the momentum and kind of catch a little bit of fire and get people involved because I've never seen quite a reaction to something that I've been involved in I mean even in Budapest when we filmed it over there I kind of expected the Eastern Europeans to sit on their hands right. because they kind of were reserved that way they were freaking out uh, not by the end, <laughs> of the end of the show yeah it was quite quite jumping and and we we you know we didn't know if we were going to get you know how many butts in the seats were completely new and you know we were turning people away so it was it was very lucky and I feel very very blessed to make it happen you know we've got good partners with PBS too and they uh you know, they they were very excited about it. Again, another a really unknown thing for them, but they're really coming aboard and embracing it, and and hopefully we'll you know we'll build a a cool little thing with this. So yeah. Now, for those who haven't hadn't heard it yet, it's it's not. I wouldn't say like this doesn't remind me of like the Symphony Metallica record, or you know, Heart with the Royal Philharmonic or anything. This is more. And I don't want to say mashup because that's really not. I don't think a fair term either. But there's a, certainly a blending of, of you're kind of going into a piece and out of a piece, and, and, and you know, how, how do you go about kind of deciding what pieces diffuse with what? I, I wanted to build this uh, over an arc of of humanity. I don't really talk about it, or or it's not really mentioned. I'm not I'm not bringing you on a story, but I, I've incorporated video. Uh, on LED curtains and and so everything is kind of like a movement. Uh, you know, if if Beethoven, when his symphonies, he has different movements and they're you know they could be ten minutes long, but it arcs and it has its own kind of arc and climax and and which moves into the next piece. So I I start with creation and birth and I go through adolescence and and uh, experimentation, which our experimentation is the reddish spring with with the purple haze. You know, and I do rebellion, which is which is um, another brick in the wall uh, and mixed with actually Muse's Uprising. I had to throw Muse in because just I'm a fan of Matthew Bellamy and that band. But but and I have the you know Tiananmen Square on the video curtain or the falling of the Berlin Wall or Occupy Wall Street and all that stuff. That's kind of this is when you know you give it to the man and then it, it you know arcs into even to our 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 lost portion, which starts with Barbara's Adagio, which a lot of people would know it from that theme from Platoon. Mm-hmm. That haunting violin um, that morphs into um, Freddie's "Who Wants to Live Forever," you know, and and on that then morphs into "We Are the Champions." So you see video first of the rock stars that have you know left us too soon, and then when we get into "We Are the Champions," you see the people who have walked with us, oh, you know, throughout humanity and, and left you know everlasting imprints. You know, uh, um, on life, like Martin Luther King Jr. or Abraham Lincoln, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I felt like too that we certain songs 
we wanted to do stuff that was familiar to everybody. We didn't go too obscure, uh, even with the, uh, especially with the classical stuff, because right. I think a lot of times, you know, uh, at least our younger generation isn't as well versed. So if you say, you know, uh, Beethoven's Ninth, they may not know it right away as saying it that, but when they hear it, they obviously know the Ode to Joy, you know, sure. or, um, you know, so many things we did pictures at an exhibition, which, which, uh, a, a version of that, but, uh, you know, Emerson Lincoln Palmer also did a version of that. So, right. you know, it's it's stuff that people go, oh yeah, I know that. So it's 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 accessible, but yet I think that if any purists come, um, they'll also appreciate what we're doing on both sides of the fence. You know, yeah. uh, and we're not trying to imitate or be a, a tribute band because I'm going to only do my own take on. Ness and Dorma, but I'm going to only try my, do my own take on, on Bono's Where the Streets Have No Name. I'm not going to try to be Bono, you know, right. or Pavarotti. I'm going to sing it the way I can sing it. And so we also, we have some amazing artists uh, from the band and, and, and also from, you know, vocally, and we're also very different. So when somebody like Chloe Lowry sings Who Wants to Live Forever, she's going to bring her own thing to it, and, and you're not going to be going, God, that guy just can't do a good Freddie Mercury, you know, or, or and then uh, Chloe also knocks out of the park because I saw you had um, Ann Wilson on the show uh, yeah. she knocks she knocks alone out of the park and, and it's kind of my daydream too that if we can get to the size that I want to with this band, that, that we can get guests like uh, Tyler or, or uh, to sit in on Dream On or, or Ann to sit in on, on you know uh, the uh, uh, alone and, and then we end the show, which we don't advertise, but we end the show with Beethoven Seventh and this giant version of Stairway to Heaven. Mm-hmm. And I just one of my my kind of uh, uh, inspirational moments was seeing Ann do it on the on the um, the Kennedy Center Awards when they were honoring oh, yeah. Zeppelin. That's yeah. when I went, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. It's so great, you know. It's like massive. So in Budapest, we had God, we had 150 people on that stage, and and, and so we're not going to be able to tour with 150 people, but. You know, we'll have 50 or 60 people on each stage that we go to because we're picking up local choirs and local musicians. Now, we, you know, sometimes we have 25, sometimes we have 65. But right now we're trying to, to survive our, our debut tour and not take on too much so that, if, you know, after it's over, we can't, we can't do it again, you know? Yeah, I was going to ask you, you actually kind of stole my thunder, and the next question was, uh, you know, in the, in the Budapest show, you've got people up in the, you know, like the orchestra boxes and things. and How, how do you keep this... To the scale you need to to do the show, but economical enough you can afford to get gas money to the next town. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Well, we're going out kind of lean and mean. We're going out with two tour buses and a truck, and and you know we're gonna we're gonna these the people that signed on are all the people from the show on mm-hmm. the on the Budapest show, which were was thrilled me, and they're all kind of investing in the idea. You know, these are people that get paid a lot of money for doing what they do, and but they believe in this project and they love this project. And um, and then as far as like locally, we're we're, we're having to kind of have the sliding scale budgetary wise sure. to what can we afford? You know, we've got the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, the full Atlanta Symphony Orchestra in Atlanta. They partnered with us, so we're you know we're working on partnerships with different symphonies. Uh, the places that we don't, we're go- I'm going to the local orchestras and saying, you know, this is how much I've got to spend. How many how many union musicians can I hire? Sure. You know. And but what I've got a kind of a, a baseline of what quality control for me is that it has to sound, it has to properly honor these these two art forms. Right. So it it can't be, uh, a, a, you know, a, a club band doing doing um, you know um, 
fanfare for the common man or doing uh, um, uh, you know uh, also Spock Zarathustra the theme from 2001 Space Odyssey right. you gotta you gotta feel that thunder you know so uh, I think the more we get out there Cleveland we've got a, the contemporary youth orchestra joining us and they back six a lot so it's gonna be fun to do it with that youth energy too so you know it's 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 we're learning as we go how how we can tour this yeah, you can't help but kind of see some parallels to you know uh, someone you're very familiar with, Paul O'Neill, and how the TSO kind of got off the ground. If I my memory serves me right, you know, I remember them doing some small theaters when it was first like, what is the Trans Siberian Orchestra? What the heck is that? You know, before it well, Paul's to... such a, he's such a brilliant human being and such a, a great, generous human and a, and a and a wonderful artist and a great great friend. And you know, he Paul's so prolific. And his storytelling, and and he tells these inspirational stories that that are really amazing, you know. And and he's turned that, you know, his his band into uh, a yearly tradition for families, you yeah. know, and that's accessible to all ages. So I've always felt so lucky to be a part of it. And he's also a brilliant businessman. So you know, I don't. There's TSOs of the of the world don't come around that often no. you know what i'm saying so my my symphony project i hope that i can get some some miles out of it because i just have so much passion for it you know yeah. and and you know we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see yeah and it's it's great uh, and i think one of the things people love about the tso is you know for the for the metal heads and all of us you know we're getting to take our family to see sabotage and no one's really I know, noticing I know, I know you know, I know. And, and the same thing is kind of here you know you've got a great blend of rock music you've got a great you know, obviously a fantastic guitar player and drummer and, 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 you know, backed by world-class musicians, but you're doing songs that, you know, for my generation, we've known since, really, they've been around as long as we've been alive. Right. You know, and, and you're yeah. running no. with the class. Yeah, I guess that's part of it, too, for me, is it's just the songs that I loved. Yeah. You know, I just loved it, and I loved it, loved the classical stuff. I mean, I, I, I learned to sing high from Pavarotti, just, just imitating him, but then we'd go over and realize, okay, I can sing that now. Let me jump on Jukebox Hero and see if I can handle that. <laughs> you know, so you know, it's just kind of, it's kind of, you know, almost just kind of, you know, entertaining myself, but realizing, oh my, man, I guess other people might like this idea too. So, yeah, no, <laughs> it was I mean, funny. It's... We were just, uh, we were just in London, my partner and I, uh, uh, at the International Live Music Conference. We were very lucky to be invited to that uh, because our merch guy is is Pink Floyd's merch guy and ACD's merch guy, mm-hmm. and um, we got a meeting with. Um, uh, God, why am I forgetting his name? He's the agent uh, for Metallica all over okay. the world, and you know, I thought this is this is going to go well. You know, months I'm, could be the furthest thing from metal. Right. I, not that I wanted to do a mashup with the Sandman because I'm going right. to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> and and that Metallica Symphony show also years back kind of opened my eyes to that. Yeah, excitement. I think it did to a lot of people. You know, and and so we sat with him. I tell you what, he loved Rocktopia. He was like, the guys in the band would love it. I'm going to show it to Lars and everything. And I said, well, listen, you know, any help? He says, because this, this is really about the music, and mm-hmm. it's about, and it's theatrical, and people love that. Yeah. You know, so I was, I was just buzzing coming away from that. He says, anything I could do to help you, call me. So I was like, okay, I will. <laughs> yeah, and it's a fantastic idea, you know, and I don't know how this goes about or the business behind it, but getting... In, with, involved with public broadcasting because you, you're essentially hit, hitting eyes on TVs that you know you may not otherwise get. You know, it, it's not that easy to get. You know, music like this on the radio, I imagine, is very difficult. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. It and is. It's but, such yeah. a visual 
you know, you guys make the show so visual without being, you know, it's not TSO bombastic visual, but it's still, you know, a very good show to watch. Yeah, I mean, we hope so. <laughs> we hope so. We're going to try to recreate as much as we can from the from the Budapest show. And, you know, I think P- PBS, too, and I think we're learning how we interact. It's an, it's an evolutionary process. I know they mm-hmm. did very well with Celtic Woman, you know, for a decade. And, you know you know, numerous PBS shows and really great business here and around the world. And our, our tour manager is one of the ones that developed Celtic Woman. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, and then we picked up uh, their violinist, to Murray Nesbitt, who has also, uh, you know, had a, an amazing following with Celtic Woman. But she, you know, just like the guy that I, I, I featured in the, in the broadcast, David Aaron Carpenter, David was, I had to talk to these people for weeks before they could understand what I was doing and then talked them into being a part of it. For instance, like Tony Bruno, who's a great guitar player, played with Michael Bolton. You know, he was the MD for Rihanna and for Enrique Iglesias. And and he and Petrelli actually were in both uh, Michael Bolton's band, Petrelli from, from TSO years mm-hmm. ago. And so... And he was like, dude, I just, I can't, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is for me. And, you know, my reading might not be up as fast as, as you want it to be. And I said, no, Tony, here's the thing. This is you, and I want you to be you and help me get this stuff out that's in my head with how these worlds live together. Right. And, and he's now, you know, he's, dude, let's, let's, let's do this around the world together for, for 10 more years. And I said, well, yeah, I'd love that. And then David was just the opposite. He was like, never mic'd his violin comes from that classical world where it's it's like you know almost a elitist purist so mm-hmm. and he's he's been charged with he's the only one allowed to play uh, uh the mcdonald stradivarius viola which is uh 24 million dollars and, and he's the only one allowed to play it in the world and so he's got that kind of and so he he literally thought i was going to set his violin on fire when i we were trying to mic it by the end of the rehearsal process, I figured that dude was going to go out and get some tats because he <laughs> was so on board with this rock element. He was because he was like, "Yes, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do." So, and Mairead is 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 wonderfully talented. She comes from that you know very different world. But we had day one rehearsal yesterday. We got snowed out today, so I couldn't have rehearsal today. But she jumped right in, and it was great. You know, new element to the to the show, and I think it's going to be pretty fantastic. So, now, um. Just to take it back to you as a singer, um, it's kind of one of the things I've always wondered because I've never, never been at the op- opportunity to, to speak to some of the truly great vocalists. But in your voices, I believe every bit as good as, or better than, than many of the rock vocalists like a Meatloaf or an Ann Wilson. Were you just naturally blessed to sing this well, or, or did someone teach you how to be able to do this? Is like I think it, I think I was very lucky at a, at a young age to be noticed that I had a, I had a, a, a natural ear. And okay. so, which helped me sing on pitch. And then, you know, I'm not a small guy, so so the, the shape of my face and the mask is, is just produces what's, whatever the natural tone is. Mm-hmm. And and so that music came very easy to me. And and I and, and I also had a tremendous love for it. I I played college football at the University of Georgia and thought I was going to end up in law school because I studied business in college. I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't study music. Uh, I studied music privately, and I was I was kind of sought after as a, as a high school uh, student by a lot of music conservatories that wanted to me, me to go into opera. And I, and I studied over between my junior and senior year of, of high school, I studied extensively for eight weeks in the Governor's Honors Program uh, on an opera track and just realized that I, I just didn't have the patience for all that music theory and, mm-hmm. and 
uh, and wanted just to go sing rock and roll. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't have a, you know. I wasn't a rock and roll voice, and so I think it's so funny. I kind of did it backwards, you know, to go playing leading men roles on Broadway in my twenties to in to in my thirties and forties coming into the rock world. But you know, with age and and a little bourbon, you know, your voice kind of starts sound a little bit more rock and roll. I didn't have that voice like my buddy Jeff Scott Soto did with Ingve mm. or or you know, at a very young age. But I kept working because I wanted it so bad. And through people kind of going, man, you can really sing, to the fact that I know when I was starting to work with the rock people, they were like, this Broadway guy. And then I was with, uh, you know, Ripper Owens, right? Yeah, oh yeah. So Ripper and I had a, a scream-off contest one night at a bar uh, <laughs> about 15 years ago. And that's when he went, dude, you could really sing. So so now my buddies from the metal world are like, yeah, fucking Rob Evan could sing. So <laughs> it's, it's like one of those things that, that, you know, over the years I've kind of I didn't expect to, to have any kind of rock street cred, but somehow I earned it. You know? yeah. <laughs> but that's this Rocktopia is, is the world where I belong because it's, again, I can, I can kind of walk the line, yeah. you know? Yeah, you can kind of both sides of your talents certainly... Certainly, I had seen somewhere in one of the bios I had read on you that you had done um, "Paradise by the Dashboard Lights" with Patty Russo, and I was like, "That I want to hear." And I did "Total Eclipse" and "Loving You Is a Dirty Job" with Bonnie Tyler because Jim Steinman uh, um, created a band around me um, called uh, the Dream Engine, and uh, Jim, Jim, I mean, I was recording in the Hit Factory with him, uh, you know, right before they turned it into condos, but, but. yeah, I mean, I did. I really was kind of this over-the-top singer, and and you know, he was putting me on all of Meatloaf's masters. You know, every I re-sang everything. I probably spent spent a good three years working with him, but you know, I, and we just couldn't we just couldn't find the right kind of way to break the band. You know, and and David, you know, David Sonnenberg was working with us, and it just never really happened. And then I kind of feel like I I aged out. You know, so by me going, okay, I don't want to do a Rob Evan concert. I want to create something that that's, that is what I do, but is bigger than I am. You know, the idea is bigger than I am. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of eight years ago is when I kind of started developing this Rocktopia idea. So well, it certainly seems like it's it's going to pay off well for you. Again, for those um, interested, you'll be at the Palace Theater in Greensburg on the I believe thirty first of March, uh, and the tour starts. What about the twenty eighth? Somewhere in that ballpark. It you're doesn't mean yeah you're Portland. going from Maine the whole way down to Florida hitting most of the East Coast and, and a little That's bit right. of mid Midwest so plenty of chances for our listeners to get a chance to see even if you're not in the Pittsburgh area so Rob I want to thank you so much for your time today I know you've got plenty to work on so I'll, I'll turn you loose man hey thank you John I really appreciate the support brother. Joshua Tree Tour 2017. Join you 2 in celebrating 30 years of their legendary album. 
June 7th at Heinz Field. The Joshua Tree, performed in full for the first time with special guest, the Lumineers. On sale now. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com. The Joshua Tree Tour 2017. Get more at U2.com. All right, again, a thank you to Rob Evan, founder of Rocktopia. You can visit Rocktopia.com. That's R-O-C-K-T-O-P-I-A.com to get all the information. The tour dates, as I mentioned, at the top of the show. It starts in Maine, works its way whole way down uh, through the Midwest and East Coast down into Florida uh, in, in pretty quick fashion. There's not a lot of off days on the tour, so they're hitting it fast and hard. Uh, to get the word out about the show so we'd like to encourage you all to check that out uh, you can visit us at ironcityrocks.com ironcityrocks at gmail.com for any feedback suggestions for guests comments criticisms uh, facebook twitter instagram and youtube are all forward slash iron city rocks if you're on any of the social medias love to hear from you we're doing a lot of ticket giveaways uh, recently for some shows in the western pennsylvania market uh, but uh, if you're from another part of the world please join us as well. We don't uh, turn anyone away. So until next time, it's been a pleasure and we thank you for listening.